0: Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Oh, excited to be with y'all um, tonight. Excited about what uh uh what we got going on, what God's I believe God's teaching us and uh, where he's taking us right now. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and invite you to go ahead and get your place in John chapter 17. We'll be there for a moment and then we'll we'll look at a couple of other verses. Um but want to kind of keep working our way along. And so I I think a lot of times for me on Wednesday nights, it's kind of like, it's like extra for Sundays. It's extra from Sunday and then kind of extra to get headed towards Sunday. And so I'm going to read a few verses here. And tonight, one of my prayers is our prayer through this whole deal uh, that we're going through at the moment. And uh, really, uh, throughout this year, uh, one of my big prayers is, that our eyes would be opened uh, to what is really going on around us. And so um, I, I just believe God uh, do that tonight. We had a great time at the uh, waffle service this morning. Uh, one day we're going to cook waffles in that service. We haven't done so uh, yet, but one day we're going to cook some waffles there. Uh, but we've, uh, we've got a, a group of folks, uh, mostly seniors, and so I don't know if folks are watching, if you're a senior and you are not, uh, even if you're not affiliated with Chestnut Ridge and you uh, just want to come and um, be a part of it, we, uh, we have somebody play and uh, lead us in some worship and sing for us some. Uh, that varies as to who that is. And then um, then I share, like what I'm sharing tonight, I will share a semi-condensed version of that. And then we do an array of things. We play bingo. We'll eat soup and sandwiches and desserts. And uh, then we've got some other activities that we're looking forward to getting into. They've got some stuff with these big uh, inflated balls, drumsticks, and baskets and something. I don't know what it's—I've seen the video— I think it'll be interesting when we do that, Uh, but uh, I'm not the one to lead that one. I do not have rhythm. So, um, But John chapter 17, uh, I want to read a few verses here, and I'm going to read verses um, 12 through 17 just so we get enough uh, context for verse 14. So Jesus, again, is praying here, and in verse 12 he says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept. None of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I, have, now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world." just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Father, would you just take your word uh, tonight, speak to us, and we'll, we just praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Um, let me remind you of a couple of things from Sunday. That you and I are not—if you're saved, if you're if you're a Christian—and um, that's that's a statement, that's a definition, that is a thought that you—I I would encourage you to really ponder on, like you never have before, because I believe that our, in our own personal lives, time is ticking. I've been to two funerals in two days. Um, people do die. And there's no respecter of persons when it comes to it. Yesterday, 80 years old. Today, 60s. You know, and it's and I, I've been I've been a ten uh, like uh, I've been officiating at funerals and been to funerals where the casket sizes go from two foot to eight foot. I mean, they just. Who knows? Only God knows. That's one reason you need to be attentive to your own salvation. The other thing is, folks, it's getting closer. It's getting much closer. You've heard preachers preach this stuff. You've read it in the Bibles. But did you know that every day that is preached on this earth, it gets one step closer to eternity? And things are happening around us that lead us to believe that biblically, times are, they're coming. And it's going to be a sad, sad day when people stand before him and wish they just had one more time. Wish they could hear the gospel once more. And so, but in that, there is, um, there's the Christian and there's the non-Christian, the saved and the non-saved, lost and found. And the people that are saved, they did not save themselves. I think this is important. Christianity is not a bunch of people who just got together and figured out that they love Jesus and, and all and they're going to live right now and they look at everybody else down off the end of their nose that 's not what Christianity is. Christianity is people who have, God has saved by his amazing grace period that's just the end of the story and that we um, we are to carry the gospel out so um, but there is, there are two groups, lost and saved. Okay, and in those two groups, you find a um, uh, the the Christian. If the Christian is doing right by God, even if people hate the Christian, the Christian is to love them. You know, if you and I are Christians, people. If anybody hates you, the Bible says that you are to hate those who despise you, those who use you, um, and, and that you are to uh, love them, and you are to, to carry the gospel to them, and, and whatever that means, that, as God leads. Then you have folks that don't know Christ, that they're lost. And the Bible teaches us that the darkness that is in them, they love that darkness. Be reminded, you and I, if you're saved today, you love the darkness too. And, it, and the darkness, we always think about the darkness as this, these horrible, wicked people because we always go, I just don't see how they can do something like that. Well, you can too. And, and if you haven't, it's because he. it's by His grace that you haven't. Every single one of us, and this is hard for people to get a hold of, but if you take Jeffrey Dahmer, Adolf Hitler, Stalin, you you take any of the people that you classify as wicked, and you go, I'm better than them. If that's your attitude is I'm better than them, then you're wrong. And we have to understand that sin is not something that God categorizes Here's these sins, and, and, and it's okay if you just sin these little little things. You know, a, a lie, as long as it's a little what lie? As long as it's a little white lie, it's okay. No, a lie is a lie. Right? I, I, it just, it, we got to get past that and understand that sin before God is repulsive. To understand that, we have to understand how holy God is. Because we can't fathom in our minds how holy and how righteous God is. I'm talking about absolutely, 100%, no sin. Total righteousness. Never done anything wrong. But we can't fathom that. Some of us think that we are in that status. Some of us think that we have days where we are perfect. Some of us think that them little babies that we have are perfect. Come on. If you think the babies are perfect, I will gladly sign you up for tour duty downstairs. Amen. And you'll find that they might not be as perfect as you think they are. My point is that we as Christians have to realize that when we when we understand what God says, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses, Matthew 10:22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Um, verse uh, John 15, 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Now, as I've said before, that does not mean that, that everybody hates you. That, is not, that does not mean... But it does mean that there is a distinction between a Christian and the world in the sense that the world despises... The Christian, because of one thing, it's because of the gospel. It's because of truth. And I know we've been going over this stuff, and I'm creeping us along just a little at a time, but we've got to get this. It is the foundation. It is the bedrock of everything is the gospel. And so because of the gospel, we, if we live out the gospel, and that's a big one. If we live out the gospel, we are promised that we're going to be despised. Don't be, so, uh, don't be so taken by it, the Bible tells us, because they hated him. And I'm going to show you something tonight to kind of give you some context about how he was treated when he was here on this earth. And how the whole this whole system that we, the world system that we live in, how it has been working and how it is working today, and I want you to, I just want you to see it unfold before your eyes. But I don't want to miss setting this up. And so the thing I want to get across right this minute too is this context of the the doctrine of impartation, in other words, the, the that you have had righteousness imparted to you. So I want to go to a, a verse or two and and give you a little reminder there. Um, well, for one, let me let me read to you um, 2 Corinthians 5.19. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, "...that is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation." And t- uh, 21 says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Philippians 3, nine, and be found in him not having our own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. And, and we could go on there but I, w- I want you to grab this again. That Christ died on the cross. Right? That's a Horrible looking cross, but I don't know that it needs to be beautiful. But he dies on the cross. What happened when he died on the cross? As I told you before, Donald Gray Barnhouse says that I'm going to hand you a notebook and I want you to take a, a marker and mark in that notebook every sin that you could ever think about that you've committed. Every sin. everything that you have done that is sinful on this earth, and you start making marks, and you think, well, I'll have more marks than Grandma had, but you just start making marks. Let me tell you something, too. You didn't know Grandma when she was younger. Can I get a witness? I'm not saying that age perfects you, but I'm just saying, when you got a little more vitality and strength in your body. I ain't saying your grandma was a tramp. I'm not saying that, That's, or nothing like that. I'm just saying, you, you know what you know. But we have some honest, saved by the grace of God grandmas in this church. And I know them because I've pastored them for a long time now and I know their testimony, and whenever I talk to them about the grace of Almighty God and the fact that you know we're sinful, and they will tell you in a skinny minute, preacher, I struggle with it every day. Every day. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. You say, even in my sleep, I don't know about you, but I struggle all the time. Can I get a witness? In other words, I'm a, it's a battle all the time. You let your guard down, you'll find out that you're in a battle. And so, all these times we make these marks in this book. And Barnhouse says that it's, you'd be easier to count the places that aren't marked than the places that are marked. And so when Christ died on the cross, He not only knew the sin that you would commit up to this day, He knew every sin that you would ever commit every day that you would live on this earth. So you and I, if we live again tomorrow, there's going to be some more marks in this book. When He died on the cross, He knew that. And this book is transferred to Him on the cross. When Christ dies on the cross, He takes your testimony of the works of a sinful, sin-darkened heart, blind, alienated from God, dead in trespasses. And and let me me give you another little thought here. uh, I can't do it like that, so I'll just do it like this. Free will, because I think you need to grab this. Do people have free will? Yes and no. Because see, if you put somebody in a jail cell, right? they have free will to do anything they want to inside that jail cell. But they can't get out of that jail cell. You and I are, whether we like it or not, I can take you and show you real easily that you are limited in your will. As much as you want to, There ain't nobody in this room can come up here and take a thousand pound block of steel and pick it up off that floor. Can I get a witness? Because of what? The strength has something to do with it, but at some point there is nothing made on this earth that can pick something up if it's heavy enough because of what? Gravity. Gravity. At some point Gravity is going to talk to you. And anybody that's aging, can I get a witness? Right? Gravity. I talk to gravity every single morning. Right? Me and gravity have an argument, and my knees are screaming for us to quit arguing. Right? So we are limited. You're not free to do anything you want to do, even lost or saved. There's no way. There are limitations. Just as in in a box. But see, it goes beyond that. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. We do not have the capacity to glorify God. We do not have the capacity to know Him. So the, the box, when we're lost, or the circle, or whatever you want to think about it, it's there. When You get saved. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Is not one of His functions in your life to chastise you whenever you're doing something wrong, that's displeasing to God? The Bible says in Hebrews that if you don't receive that chastisement, that chastening, that you don't belong to Him because He chastises every child of His. He's a perfect parent. And so there is a boundary there. Why is that important? Well, we'll see. I I'm just giving you tools. So we go back, and when Christ dies on the cross, He dies for every sin that we ever have committed or ever would commit, knowing this, that while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. Okay, Then we need to kind of nail down a couple of things so that we know who this God is that died for us. I told you Sunday, but I'm going to reiterate, There, there are so, there's, there's gospel songs out there. I don't know if there's others, but I've heard just one drop of blood, right? Just one drop of blood, that's all it took. That is a heresy. Why? Because when you go to study the Old Testament, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin it. And then as you, as you look in there... The life had to leave out of the animal when it was given as a sacrifice. In other words, it means that it had to spill. You couldn't just spill a drop. uh, Medical, how many pints or whatever can I lose and still live? Maybe three? How many do I have? We got about seven pints. Is that right? And we could lose maybe three. Okay? That's a lot. But anyhow... I did go through first aid one time. You ever seen pour a pint of red liquid out on the ground just to show you somebody ain't really bleeding to death? Here's my point. This won't do it. This probably won't do it. Jesus Christ died on the cross. And why is this important? It is important so that you have your theology right. You say, oh, preacher, that's just little insignificant things. No, it is not. It is a little leaven that spoils the whole lump. Our greatest problem, I believe, as Christians in this day and time is, we don't know Jesus. We don't know God. My God's not some sissy. My God, because of sin, and he is a long-suffering God, but if you go back and look through his track record, because some people, this is one thing I have a little bit of trouble with when we start comparing religions, Well, our God's just a God, perfect God of love and all this stuff. And those Muslims, their God wants people to go out and slay people. I'm not saying our God wants people to go out and slay people. You, You go out and slay people. But I am saying this, it is not beyond our God to wipe out people because of sin. I don't think that's a fair analogy. The only difference between our God and their God is our God is the one true God. Their God is dead and in a tomb. Our God is righteous and their God is sinful. That's the difference. So when our God wages war against sin, it is holy and it is righteous. They do it in the name of their God and claim for it to be holy and righteous, but it is not holy and righteous because it is done off their own omission and what they want to do. We're just, all this is up to Him. So when He dies on the cross, He dies. But before He dies, He lives a life, which is the other book that Barnhouse talks about over here. So Jesus Christ comes to die on this earth, but before he dies, he lives life. We believe some 33 odd years. Some say 33 and a half, but just he lives a life. And that life, if he was to give an account for every time he sins in his book, how many marks are going to be there? None. Because if there is even one spot He cannot atone for the sins of the world and set the record right with God. It had to be the sinless spotless Lamb of God. And so His record is clean. He doesn't need somebody to save Him. He does not need a Savior to rescue Him from the damnation of His sin. We do. So when Jesus dies on the cross, our book is placed on Him, which is where we didn't take our sin was not imputed to us. I'm, I'm gonna read it. Uh, uh, read it one more time. Um, let's see. That is that God was in Christ, Second Corinthians five nineteen, reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. So when Christ is on the cross, He's not imputing our trespasses on us. He's putting our trespasses on Christ and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 21, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, for He made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, how does that work? Well, so Christ dies on the cross that's placed on him, right? And here is you and me, right? We love to think of us as a halo, as a Christian, and that, you know, we're all perfect. In some sense, we are. In the sense that when God looks upon us, he sees righteousness. But he does not see our righteousness, Because the Bible says that our righteousness is but what? Filthy rags. Even saved folks, preacher? Are you still sinning? Huh? In our flesh, our flesh is not perfected. That's why the Bible teaches that when We groan in this body, earnestly desiring to not be unclothed, but further clothed, that we might have, take this this mortality might put on immortality, this unrighteousness might put on righteousness, and that we would be uh, perfected. So while we're here on this earth, what happens with us when we get saved, I put my date up there, you can put, you don't have to, I know your date, but those are some pitiful nines. But anyhow, 1999, This is what happened to my account. It was settled before the foundation of the world. I just caught up with it, August 1999. God takes the book that Christ lived and died and rose again, and he puts it on me. And so when God looks down, I'm just going to put some clouds because we think about clouds when we think about heaven. When God looks down upon me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and he don't see this. I'm not what I used to be, but I ain't what I'm going to be. And y'all are the same place if you're a Christian today. And so, and we'll talk about sanctification and all that stuff as we progress along. I just want to settle this in so that I can show you something tonight in the back half of what we're doing. But I want to get this just nailed down so that we get it. So if you're saved, you wonder sometimes, well, why is it that I still struggle? Paul did too. Paul struggled himself, but there was something different about him. His want to's changed. And, and when we look at this, this is what's happened. My account was placed upon Christ, and yours was too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Because if he would have sent his Son in the world to condemn the world, guess what? We are done. We're done. There's nothing that we can do. So that's where we are as Christians. Now, I want to show you about the world, how the world treats truth and the gospel. And so we're going to look at some, some more scripture here in just a minute. But I want you to understand, the world does not hate That's a bigger head. The world does not hate your flesh because that is the world. He says, I am not of the world and they are not of the world. The world hates them because they're not of the world because it hated me because I was not of the world. And you get it? But see, our flesh is still struggling with being worldly, fleshly. So The world does not hate that. It hates that book that's covering us. Which is truth. It hates the gospel. And here's something that's interesting. This is why I'm taking the direction I'm taking. I hate to skip over. I'm slowing down with some things because I'd rather us get something really good than just breeze across. I feel like I spent a lot of my ministry breezing when we need to get some things nailed down. And so to nail this down, so when the world hates me because Christ saved me, but that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning of the story. Christ saved me. We are now declared righteous, which means this dude or this lady is... Free. Free. This changes some things. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read you a statement a little early, but in my sermons and stuff, but I want you to, want you to hear this. They're not of the world. The Word of God has weaned them from the need uh let me let me let me do this right here so we are free let me just take us along one step at a time so this dude, this lady is free right from needs addictions. Wants of the flesh. See, if somebody is living in Jesus Christ, obedient to Christ, free in Jesus Christ, set free by Him, living, that uh, the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. What is our greatest problem here? Our greatest problem here is the, th- the fact that we like to be satisfied we think we should be satisfied which is pride but our flesh craves right and it don't matter if it is a bowl of peach cobbler's cookies right there and there's not peach cobbler uh banana pudding it's homemade whipped cream meringue the baked in there the brown top the whole nine yards you got that and then let's just say that this is a line of cocaine and we're going to snores a line of cocaine. It's an addiction. The reason it's an addiction is because we crave satisfaction. When we start craving it enough, it starts taking over. And you can tell me that this right here ain't as equal as that right there. How many diabetics are in the world? I bet you there's more diabetics than there are cocaine addicts. I don't know the statistics, but I would go so far as to say more of us have a problem with this addiction than people do with that addiction. But we can add all kind of addictions up here too, can't we? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Here's my point. In Christ, Christ takes don't mean you don't have cravings. You with me? But we don't find our satisfaction in the things of this world. We find our satisfaction in Christ. And here's where people get to have a hard time. I believe until I see Jesus Christ, there is a potential that I will struggle with something. But I think that's God's plan. I really do. Because if God did not leave me something that I struggle with, I know what Greg would do. I would get to the point to where I say, free? <laughs> I run this place. Can I get a witness? Our hum- he reminds us, keeps us humble. Paul and his thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was, but God's grace is sufficient. So here's what I'm trying to tell you, and I'm going to just lay it out there just as raw and straight as I can. Don't go around here pointing your finger at somebody who may struggle with something that God is progressively working with them in. See, if you know God's working, that's something different. When somebody absolutely 100% rejects this and the, and the, uh, the wisdom and the, the, the correction and the teaching from this, then that testifies that they're lost. But if somebody is struggling, and God is working with them, and they fall one day, and then they get up in God's grace, and they wipe, wipe off, they repent, and they go on for two months, and they stumble again, but progressively as you look at their life, that God is working there. You and I don't have the right to nail down a timetable to say you got to be perfect in six months. Because I'll remind you, you ain't perfect yet neither, nor am I. Can I get a witness? We're not perfect yet either. And if you are progressing along, and you don't struggle with as many things as you used to struggle with, you ought to give God the glory for that. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine that graduated with me Me and him had a shouting fit on Facebook. However you do that now. But he was just saying that he was giving glory to God. He said, I could be dead. I could be in a crack house. I could be in prison. But by God's grace. And I said, man, don't you get me started. Because I'll have a fit up here. By his grace. By his grace. And if God's working on you, Paul said, I have not attained, but I press on toward the upward call. So you can't let the stuff that your flesh is struggling with, it has to be put up under in Christ. It has to be crucified there. It's not about you. And that's what God's doing in us. That's how God God is working and God is sanctifying us. And so many people struggle with so many things. And everything you struggle with, somebody else may not struggle with it. You might not struggle with what I'm struggling with, and you, I might not struggle with what you're struggling with. That does not make you right or me wrong, or vice versa. I give you a good, for instance, conversation among preachers and church leaders. Well, if somebody is lived a homosexual lifestyle to come to Christ, will they ever suffer with those temptations again? Dang skippy, right? Good chance. But what changed? The lifestyle changed. The lifestyle changed. Now, i tell you all that to take you on a whole big swing. In other words... I got more sense than to walk up in a bar right now because I'm not going to tempt the flesh, right? Do I struggle with it? No, but to tell you I don't have a thought about how to fix some ales in my life, it's easy. You ever watch the Incredible Hulk? Man, you give me a fifth of liquor, I'll show you something. How do I know? Been there, done that. If you want me to be your best friend, give me a six-pack of beer. I'll be your buddy. I'll cry on your shoulder all day long, but don't you dare put tequila in me. Because we're going to have to pay a lot of bills from where it's been destroyed. I know that. And You don't tempt the flesh. And by God's grace, I'm one day further than I was yesterday. By God's grace, I love him more today than I did yesterday. By God's grace, he's better than Budweiser ever was. By God's grace, Jack Daniels don't hold a candle to him. By his grace. And that progressively comes along. In the t- Some people, some things, certain things, he might deal with quick. But see, we could talk about all that alcohol and drugs and all that stuff, but also how about bitterness and anger and hatred and lust and all that kind of stuff. So now we get all that. Now I want to show you the world system real quick. I know this is kind of a swing. I'm going to read quite a few verses of Scripture. I want you to flip from John 17 to John 18. We're going to go over here. And I want to show you why the world hates Jesus. It's the same thing was going on back then as going on today. So um, I, I guess let's start with verse 31, chapter 18, verse 31. In chapter 18, verse 31, I think I'm uh, at, at a good enough place now to where I can do this. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which spoke signifying by what death he would die. Talking about he would be crucified on that cross by the Romans. Then Pilate entered the praetorium and again called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Did you hear that word? The truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now, I want you to catch this stuff as we walk through. Everyone who hears my voice is of the truth. Amen? My sheep know my voice. So if you're saved, you hear the truth. Okay? Pilate said to him, what is truth? Now I want to stop for one second there, and I'm going to be honest with you, my heart goes out to Pilate at this moment. It really does. Can you imagine what he's in? He is so deep in a political system. He has to watch his back because he knows somebody's ready to stick a knife in it. And you do know that the deeper you get into things and the higher up you get into stuff, it's just, you're just waiting on somebody to stab you in the back. Why? They want your position. That's right. You're in their way to get where they want to be. Can you imagine living in that life? And then he don't even know what truth is. I watch documentaries sometimes, and I, my heart bleeds. I, I watched uh, I've, I, like Elvis. I don't know how many times I've watched documentaries on the life of Elvis, a man that's just torn in this world, you know. Um, and and I and I think it's like uh, well, we watched Willie Nelson's documentary the other night, and same deal. And it's like, well, they was just you know sleeping around and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not excusing them, but there was probably every night there's like 40,000 half-naked women out there prancing in front of him, pulling off of his coattail. And I don't, I'm not excusing it, I'm just saying, can you imagine being in that situation? Marrying because of that, because you've committed adultery over and over and over again? Matter of fact, one of his wives, we heard him say something about the fact that she caught him, again, Drug. he went out and got drunk, she brought him in, tied him up with a jump rope and beat him with what? You remember what it was? Beat him with something. A broom. Tied him up with a jump rope and beat him with a broom because he slipped out again. And I look as he's singing his D- the As a matter of fact, that, I didn't know this, but he was the first show on Austin City Limits. He made Austin City Limits. And he didn't produce it, but he was the most viewed. He, he, had, he had more shows on Austin City Limits than anybody else, but he was the first one. And I watched him singing that first one, and I looked in his eyes as he's singing some of these songs about heartache and things like that. And you could see the heartache in his eyes looking around and you could just see the emptiness and the heartache and the hurt. And can you imagine what Pilate, he's standing there before Jesus Christ. You would say Jesus was before him, I would say no, he's before, he was standing before Jesus. I think anywhere Jesus goes, he's got the throne, don't you? So anyhow, he's, he's standing there and Pilate goes, truth? What is truth? It's almost as if he's saying, well I wish I knew what the truth really was. So here here we go. And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Pagan king declares before the Jews, What do you want me to do with this guy? He's done nothing wrong. I find no fault in him whatsoever. But you have a custom that I should release someone uh, to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried out, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a thief, a robber. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, king of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Again, I'm bringing him out. I find no fault in him. And Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. Therefore, when the chief priest and the officers saw him, They cried out again, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered and said, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Now here's what's interesting. They say that they're mad about Christ declaring that he's the Son of God. He's equal with God, right? That's what they claim that that's because the reason that they want to crucify Christ is because they say the religious people say that he claims to be God. Not some little G God. He claims to be God, very God, Jehovah God. That's what they're saying. And he needs to be crucified because he trespassed on this. He's not our God. Let's follow along. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Now here's something you need to take along with you. Don't you know that I have control over you? That's what he's saying. Hey, don't you know? You better speak to me, son. I have power over you. Just like a lot of the things in our life, you better answer me because you know you love banana pudding. Put it in the refrigerator and it's just calling. Y'all can tell I have a problem with banana pudding, don't you? We don't bring banana pudding in the house much at all. So out of this, please do not make a 9 by 14 casserole dish of banana pudding. I love you and I thank you for the gesture, but please, because every time I say something about banana pudding, I end up with a bowl of banana pudding or some platter of banana pudding. He said, don't you know that I have power to release you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. He said, I'm not for sale, brother. You hear me? You don't have no power on me. I don't get my justification from you. I don't get my fulfillment from the things of this world. He says that because now death death has no control over him. I can kill you. You can't kill me. Let me just say this if we keep going the direction we're going, you might actually face them words yourself one day. Did you know that? Oh no, ain't no way possible. See, that's why they don't want to teach our kids history. Is because it's happened. It's happening today in this world, but nobody wants to put that on the news, do they? They don't want kids to know that they're Evil governments and evil people that would lord over people so much so that if they don't go along with the flow that they'll just take them off to some concentration camp, put them in a gas chamber and kill millions of them just to get rid of them because they won't go along with the flow. From then on, Pilate sought to release him But the Jews cried out, saying, if you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Political. See, they were starting to play laws against him. And here's what I want you to understand about the world we live in today. You keep watching the laws that they're making right now. I'll promise you they'll be used against us. I promise you. Well, you know, if you're gonna keep the law, anybody that's got hate speech, and but but you say, well, but 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 they have hate speech. No, 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 no. You got to write the laws. If you write the laws, you got the power, right? Yeah, because why is it that it would be right to hate one group and not hate the other group? Yeah, I know y'all think about this stuff just like I do. It's like, wait a minute, they've got a voice, but they don't want us to have a voice. Why? So they can write their laws. Do what they wish. want you to stay silent, and if you don't keep quiet, they've got the power to shut you down at your house. They've got the power to take your life. They've got the power to put you in jail. They've got the power to come and take things that belong to you. Better keep your mouth shut. They'll up your taxes. Better keep the churches quiet because if we don't, we'll take our tax-exempt status away. They can take all the tax-exempt statuses they want to. They won't take Jesus. I'm just telling you. Whoever... They said, "Whoever makes himself king speaks against Caesar." When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew is Gabatha. Now it was past, it was the preparation day of the Passover, and about six, about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, "Behold, your king!" Now, don't you listen to what they said? But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered and said, we have no king but Caesar. Pretty tough when the religious people are denouncing God, ain't it? When the religious leaders start denouncing God, the Christians ain't got a chance. Well, we got to, you know what I'm saying. But I thought that they were saying that they were mad because he claimed to be God. But yet they pulled their allegiance to Caesar. Why did they do that? Because whatever their banana pudding is, whatever their cocaine is, whatever their drug is, whether it's hate, power, money, whatever it is, they were in love with it, and the reason that they were doing this allegiance to Caesar is because they thought that Caesar could get them more than God could. See, so they were in bed with the government. And I'm telling you right now, next week, the Southern Baptist Convention will meet. I'm sticking with a commitment that I made and I feel like I need to stay with it, but it's killing me not going and casting my vote for the next president because the one we got right now, will so he'll be coming out, but I don't know... Who's going in is all up into this critical race theory, starting to talk about homosexuality and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm just telling you, it all boils down to this. If you want to be liked by the world, you're not going to be a friend of Christ. And all of it has to do with the gospel. So if you're plan in your life is peace, love, flower, power. Is I want to be liked by everybody. I want to be a part of everything that's going on today. I want to be in the click. I want to satisfy me. I want me to have the ideal life that I want to have. If, you, if that's the direction you're going, then you'll there are people that spend their lives trying to pacify other people so that they will love them. When Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ, you know, I asked you something Sunday. I said, why is it that people that are in bondage, hurting, in need, why would they dislike people that are coming to cut the chains loose? Why would they dislike people that are coming to feed them and to clothe them and to love them and to minister to them. I mean, to wipe the wounds of lepers. Why? Here we are and Christ takes our book and we get His. Even though He knew us. And he still knows you. And he loves you. With all the sores from the leprosy of sin, all of the, the stuff, he died for you. He died for me. Everything in your life as a Christian is about the gospel. Everything in your life as a Christian is going to be centered around truth. If you don't love truth, then are you saved? When it's called to the carpet, what are you going to do? See, we've never been in that situation before. Well, I take that back. There's people getting in that situation right now. Things in workplaces are getting interesting, are they not? Things in workplaces are getting interesting with things that you're going to have to sign and check off and all this kind of stuff. You know, um, statements that you might have to stand in front of people and make, and you might, but you read them, you go, I don't agree with this statement. And it gets hard. Your livelihood is on the line. Your dreams are on the line. What would happen with us? I guess. Let me. Let me leave with this. Let me just, because I need. I need. I got to close. So let me. Let me. Let me just leave it like this. I don't know where you are on the timeline. If God is gracious to me, I'm beyond halfway. Okay? My life. I don't know where you are in things. What you going to do there? Any of y'all thought, ever thought about what, what will be your testimony at your funeral? Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life. uh, God put him there, and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins. And I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. World so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. <laughs> God bless you guys.